I mentioned a lot of people are watching at home and online, so again, welcome. Um, I know that um, this has been kind of a difficult season, and I really felt uh, the need this morning to readdress some things that we had talked about the past two to three months and remind us of what God's Word says. Because when we don't know, when we don't know what God says, we go with what we think. And I don't know if you've lived long enough, I've, I thank God um, in my early 20s I learned that when I go with what I think, I get my results, and I don't like my results. I really don't. Um, I, just part of my testimony is that I was married, and God, I really wanted to get married to this, this girl, and I, I'm, I really, I put God's stamp of approval on it, it wasn't God's will, and um, God said, okay. Is that, if that's what you really want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the consequences of this decision. And so I've learned very quickly, I don't want what I want. I want what God wants. And yes, there's some desires and things that I, I do ask the Lord, but I say, Lord, if it's not your will, then don't let it happen. So um, we have to know what God's word says. Psalm 119.105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Did you know God's word is a flashlight in our lives? It illuminates the path that we should walk on. Um, have you ever had to walk in the dark before, right? You ever had to walk in the dark at your home, right? Okay, even though you know where things are, uh, you still pull out your phone. Thank God for technology. We're able to pull out our phone, and the, the flashlight button is just like right here at the bottom left. You just, you just click it in, right? You're able to go. Um, but have you ever walked in the dark in places where you've never been before, you're not familiar with? It's almost impossible to get around. How many of us have been in, in, in a pandemic before? Nobody. We are walking in a season that none of us have ever been in before. It is imperative that we know God's word. So I want to ask you, and we, I feel like we ask this a lot, but it's really important. What is your relationship with the Bible? Is it something that you open up uh, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis? Every, how many of you know every day brings a new set of challenges? Every day. New set of, it may be a something that's similar, but there, there's a different twist to it. It's imperative that we open up God's word every day because it is literally a light to our path. The devil uh, works very hard for us to simply think it's an old book. Now, it is an old book. It's a book that's been around for a couple thousand years. Um, and, of course, the old law was, was longer than that. Um, but the devil wants us to think it's just an old book and it doesn't have power the Word of God is God-breathed. His Word, the Bible says in um, uh, 2, Peter, 2 Peter 1, it says that, uh, it, that it, is, it is His breath, it is words that have been breathed in, it's actually 2 Timothy, that have been breathed, uh, His words have been breathed into this book, and it has power for us to show us how we should live our lives. And so um, it lights up our way. And I want to encourage you, if you're not taking time every day, and I, I'm getting more and more convicted that we need to open up our word in the mornings. Um, the enemy would like nothing more than us to say, hey, let's just get the kids in order. Let's get, you know, let's get the coffee. Let's, let's, let's work out. Let's do these different things. Do you know um, that the enemy is up when we're up? So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter uh, what time we get up or if we say we're going to put these things in order. He wants us to get distracted because once we get the day, I know for me, once I get my day going, it's very hard for me to go back and, and to make some time for the Lord. So I really felt this morning that we need to remind ourselves of what God says, and especially in this uncertain time. So today's sermon is entitled, Navigating Uncertainty. So I want us to pray really quickly, 
and then we'll, um, we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and minds this morning. So Father, we just thank you for today. Father, you see uh, this word, I, I just I know that this is something that you want us to talk about. I pray that you would just open up our hearts and minds to hear clearly what you're wanting to say to us. It's very, these are very uncertain times, and God, we don't know, we've never been, we don't know how to go this way because we've never been this way before. So, Father, I pray that you would just illuminate our hearts and our minds to hear specifically what you want to say to us. We thank you, God. Just, just take a moment and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my ears. Speak to me. I'm listening. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. There's a passage in Lamentations 3 uh, that's one of my favorite passages. I think many of us will recognize this passage. But it's, it, it, whenever I'm going through things, I routinely come back to this passage. And this is what it says, Lamentations 3.21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love this passage because he says, I'm reminded of this every morning that your love for me never ends. It never ends. God will love us forever. And then it says his mercies never come to an end. How many of y'all need mercy in your life? I need, the more I live, the more I realize I'm only where I'm at because of God's grace and his mercy. Mercy is is God and not giving us things that we deserve. And so I know as, as a human being, as a sinner, I deserve a lot of punishment, but because of God's mercy, he has kept things from me. It says his mercies, they never come to an end. I love that. They are new every morning. Every time you get up, you have a fresh access to his mercy and his love. And it says, great is your faithfulness. But the part of the passage I want to bring to your attention is the first part, verse 21. It says, but this I call to mind. It's really important. I don't have my Bible with me, but I read from this. Let's pretend this is my Bible. In God's word, there is uh, a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And as we word, as, as we talked about, it's a flashlight. This is a very bright flashlight. But if we don't take the time to open it up and remind ourselves, it's amazing to me how after living for the Lord for 16 years, I, I, I realize how I, can, how I can give in to fear. I can give in to worry when I don't spend time in God's word and spend time with the Father. It's amazing to me. Pastor Jimmy, one of my heroes, he said, he said something similar. He said, it's amazing how much I can act like God when I'm in his word and how much I can act like the devil when I'm not in his word. It's amazing. So we have to, as in limitation, he said, but this I call to mind. I have to believe that this author was just recounting some of the God's works for his people. Maybe he was reading in the, in, the, in the Torah, but he's recounting these things. He was calling to mind God's promises that God made to him and also remembering some of the things he did for him and even for his family. So I want to remind you of a couple of things this morning. Number one, God is in control. God is in control in the situation. How do we know this? God's word teaches this. Now, God, like us, we're created in the image of God. We have certain uh, character traits, right? I, I, I think I'm outgoing. I have family and friends who are not as outgoing. So that's, and that's an example of these character traits. God also has personal attributes or character traits. There's a couple of them that I want to highlight this morning that, sh- that will prove to you that God is in control. Number one, 
God is omnipotent. Omnipotent uh, basically means all-powerful, all power. God has all power. Look at Psalm 33, verse 6. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He says, By God's word, he created the heavens, everything we see. Jump down to verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. He spoke. God created everything we see. So if you, if you had, if you had, if we one day were going to meet Jesus, we're going to be able to look at him and say, man, you are the most powerful being that has ever existed. Why? Because you created me. You created the person next to me. You created everything we see. God is omnipotent. Number two, God is omniscient. Omniscient means God is all-knowing. Look at Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the things I've, remember the things I have done in the past. He's telling, he's telling Isaiah, remember, he's telling uh, Isaiah to tell the people, remember the things that I've done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. God knows the future. Of course, he knows the past. Um, He knows that because he is all-knowing. Number three, God is omnipresent. Now, what does omnipresent mean? He is everywhere at the same time. Again, look at Psalm 139. I'm saying all these verses because what's going to happen is is the enemy is going to try to come along and convince you of why God is not all-powerful, why, why he's not uh, omnipresent. And, of course, we're going to look at a couple attributes in a minute, why he's not good, why he's not loving. I'm reading these verses because when the enemy comes along and tries to lie to you, what you're going to do is take these verses and say, no, devil, um, this is what I know you're telling me this or you're trying to manipulate what the Bible says, but this is what God's word says. This is how we get the victory in our life. This is important. Going back to what I said earlier, this is why the Word of God is so important. If we don't know God's Word, we have no chance of overcoming the enemy. How many of y'all, you have to raise your hand and struggle with worry, doubt, fear, these different things? We cannot overcome those things unless we know God's Word. I cannot emphasize that enough. So that's why I asked you, what is your relationship with the Word of God? We have to get these words, get these verses, and even begin to put them in our heart uh, by memorizing them and meditating on them. I promise you, you'll get the victory. So God is omnipresent. Look at Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. If God is all these things, would you say that he has complete control? He's everywhere at the same time. He knows everything. And he has all power to do whatever he wants. God is in control. Did you know the devil has to ask permission before he can do or do anything? He has to ask. He has to go to the throne room and ask for permission. If you read, if you, uh, read the, the story of Job Job, the word of God says that Job was an upright man. He was a righteous man. Uh, he made sacrifices not just for himself, but also for his children. And so uh, the Bible, which is amazing, uh, actually uh, tells a story of when, uh, I, think it, I think it says the sons of men or the sons of God came to come before God and, and Satan was with him. And Satan um, and, 
And uh, I forgot how the, this part of the story goes, but God told Satan, hey, have you looked at my servant Job? My servant Job, he fears me. And Satan says, hey, he only fears you because you don't, you don't, you, your hand of protection is on him, but remove your hand of protection and open him up to, uh, to nature and, to, and to, to me and to these different things, and he'll curse you to your face. And so we see that God gave the devil permission to uh, afflict Job. If you continue reading, I personally believe the reason that God gave him permission, it's not because God was just saying, hey, let's just test him, which I believe it was part of that was a test. I believe that there was an open door to the enemy, and I believe it was pride in Job's life. Uh, and God actually deals with that later on in, in the book with Job. But the, the point still stands, Satan had to ask permission. This is why it's really important that we know God's word so that we don't have open doors to the enemy. If we're walking in sin in a certain area, I believe that is an open door to the enemy. I think God's word teaches that. And so um, the devil, God is so powerful that the devil has to come and ask for permission. God is in control. When you mix that God is in control with God's other attributes, a few of them, God is loving, he's merciful, gracious. As I was making this list, I really thought, I think we need to at some point go through some of these uh, attributes of God to help us understand who God is. When we, when we join that God is in control with God is loving, just uh, he's faithful, these things that we've read, then we, we come to the next conclusion, that God can be trusted. One of the reasons that people walk away from God is because they don't know God's word. They don't know what God's word says about God, and so the enemy comes along and begins to lie to us and tell us, tell us why God cannot be trusted. I believe, and we talked about this, remember, we're bringing these things to remembrance. When we talked about fear, I believe that fear is one of the enemy's greatest tools to lie to you that God isn't in control. Remember, God only speaks truth. He speak, only speaks truth. The devil, on the other hand, speaks lies. How does the devil use fear to spread lies to us? When something uncertain comes up, think about whatever situation, it is. maybe it's uh, COVID-19 related, or maybe it's um, race related. I know we've been, we've been talking about that the past three weeks. Um, a situation comes up and the devil begins to uh, paint that, that situation in such a way where he's trying to prove to you that God isn't big enough to take care of you. Think about anything you're worrying about right now. Just And maybe you brought that, that burden with you to church and hopefully we can get rid of that by the end of the morning. Um, but that, that thing that is worrying you or, or causing fear, what has happened is the enemy has painted the picture in such a way to make you believe that God isn't big enough to take care of you. If you know that God is big enough to provide for you, not just uh, financially, but emotionally, uh, but health-wise, if you know God is big enough to provide for you in every situation, what is there to worry about? What is there to fear about? There's nothing but because we're human beings, we have to be reminded of these things. That's why I asked you, what is your relationship to the Word of God? If we are not consistently reminding ourselves, we're going to be consistently, these are related, we're going to be consistently walking into fear, walking into worry. Charles Spurgeon said this, half of our fears arise from neglect of the Bible. I love this. Half of our fears arise from neglect of the Bible because we don't know God's Word. As believers, we can make uh, we can make we can make decisions two ways. We can make them, we're supposed to make them from faith or we can make them from fear. Pastor Jimmy really did a good job of explaining this. He said, you can, there are faith-based decisions and there are fear-based decisions. 
whenever we make a decision, we should not make a decision because we're fearful. Think about some of the decisions we've made because we were scared if we didn't make that decision then something was going to happen. Or we didn't make a decision because we were scared of what could happen. As Christians, we make decisions from faith. We, we, if you're fearful, what you do is you take a step back and say, okay, I'm not feeling good. I'm, not, I'm scared or I'm worried about this situation. You go to the Father and say, Father, how do you want me to approach this situation? What do you want me to do? And you don't make a decision until you have peace. Now, that may require you doing that for more than a five-second prayer, right? We do that. We say, Lord, we pray, and then we don't feel something, and then we take matters into our own hands. It may require us waiting on the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm not going to move until you give me peace about the situation, until I talk to somebody that I trust, a pastor, a leader, a friend, whoever, until I get in your word, until I pray and take my requests, my petitions to you. I'm not going to move. Did you know you, that one decision, it, it, think about um, um, buying a house. You can buy a house from two different places. Buying the house isn't the issue, or buying whatever, it just insert whatever, or doing whatever isn't the issue. The issue is, are you doing it from faith, or are you doing it from fear? Decisions, are, decisions most of the time are neutral. You make decisions based on whether you are, it's coming from an unhealthy desire, or from fear, or from worry, or is it coming from faith? All decisions that we make um, we can make almost, like buying a house, I think God wants everyone to live, live some more, make a decision about an apartment or house or whatever, um, but he wants us to make the decision when we consult him. You see, you, see, you understand, the decision doesn't matter, it's whether we have peace about it, whether we, it, there's wisdom infused in that decision, whether we've asked these people that we trust, pastors, leaders, to give us, you know, insight. That's what's important. So we make decisions not from fear, but from faith. Anytime... Uh, we react because of fear. This is really important. Anytime we react because of fear, we've actually been counseled by the spirit of fear and not by the spirit of God. Why? Because fear is a spirit. Second Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fear is a spirit. And so anytime we react out of fear, we've been counseled by the spirit of fear and not by the spirit of God. So number one, God is in control. Number true, number two, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Now, what do I mean? Let's bring it back to what we're going through right now. In this season, many people are struggling. Is that right? There's a lot of people struggling with COVID, either um, um, health-wise or they're struggling with the idea of wearing masks or not wearing masks. Uh, there's a, there's a, there, are, there are many reasons why somebody would say, Hey, I'm not okay. I think it's important for all of us, especially the church, to understand that not all of us are in the same season. We're not all in the same season. Because we're not in the same season, we're not going to see things the same. I've seen, and, and you can raise your hand if you've seen this as well, um, I've seen a lot of frustration on social media within family members, um, and even with this race issue, because somebody is not looking at things from our point of view or from another person's point of view. Is that right? We've seen a lot of division. We've seen a lot of arguing and frustration. But the truth is we're not all in the same season. 
we're not all at the same uh, place in our walk with the Lord. Did you know as you walk more with the Lord, God gives you more peace, he gives you more joy, he actually gives you more freedom. That's all part of the different seasons that we're in, and not everyone is in the same season. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly how we are to approach a pandemic, right? I, I, not to my, to my not, I may address certain things, but it, it's, there's not a, a chapter in the Bible that says, okay, read this chapter when you get to um, COVID-19 in 2020, right? There's not a chapter. Um, but Paul does give an analogy on how we are to treat one another. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 8, verse 7. He gives us an analogy how we are to walk with one another, uh, even though we have different opinions. In this chapter, Paul uh, addresses the, uh, a contentious issue that was present in the church during that time, and it was this issue of whether believers should eat food offered to idols. Now, during that time, there, were, there was physical idol worship. Now, we have spiritual idol worship or emotional idol worship, but they worshipped these physical things. And sometimes, you know, Jews would offer sacrifices to God. And so pagans would do the same thing. They would offer burnt sacrifices, animal sacrifices to their God. And so there was this issue, should we eat food that has been offered to idols? Is it, is it unholy? Is it lawful? Is it okay? Will God be mad at us? That sort of thing. Paul addresses this issue in 1 Corinthians 8. Listen to this. It says, however, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. He said these people who, who think eating food offered to idols, they have weak consciences consciences. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. He said, this is the truth. This is actually the truth. We don't win God's approval by what we eat, so it doesn't matter whether we eat or don't eat something. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But, look at verse 9, you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your, I love how they put this in, in quotations, with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? He said, if they see you with your freedom eat this food and they eat it themselves, they're going to feel guilty because they don't think they can eat this food offered to idols. Verse 11, so because of your superior knowledge, a weak, listen to this, this is so important, especially with what's going on with COVID-19, what's going on with race relations in America. Listen, he says, you cause a weak believer for whom Christ died to be destroyed. Verse 12, and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are seen sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. What is Paul saying? He's saying that in, this, in our walks, there are some Christians that have more knowledge, superior knowledge. Okay, it is superior knowledge because they, they understand that food offered to idols isn't bad. But if we use that knowledge, if we use our freedom and flaunt it around and say, well, you're wrong because you're not thinking according to what God's word says, what are we going to inadvertently do or maybe advertently do? 
we're going to destroy our brothers and sisters instead of build them up. And I know because I, I'm, I'm a human being, I'm, I'm like all of you, sometimes as I've watched uh, what has happened with, with these protests and these riots and even what's happening with COVID, I have within myself gotten frustrated and said, don't you know? Don't you know that we're supposed to lay down our rights for one another? Don't you know we're supposed to love one another? Don't you know we're supposed to accept one another? Right? I've, I've thought that. But the truth is I'm at a different place than, than, than the person next to me. And instead of trying to cram what I believe down somebody's throat, it's my job to approach them, love them, and as God uh, makes the opportunity to speak the truth to them in love so that they grow up into the knowledge of Jesus. As Christians, we have to begin to lay down our rights for one another. Romans 15 verse 1, it says, we who are strong, if you in here, you consider yourself a strong Christian or a strong person, you think you know better, this is, this is a verse for you. We who are strong must consi- be considered of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. If we think we have more wisdom and understanding, and some of us do, right? Especially if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you're just going to naturally know more about God's word. You're going to know more about how God thinks and what he loves and what he hates. We who have this knowledge um, or this, this relationship with the Lord, we have a responsibility not to boast about it, but to serve our weaker brothers and sisters until they come up to where we're at. Not saying that we're at is, is superior. All it's saying is we, if we have this superior knowledge, as, the, as we read, we have a responsibility to help one another. Look at Facebook, look at Instagram, look at Twitter. Few people are treating it that way. They're saying, well, this is right or this is wrong. And of course, I believe there's a time to speak truth, but to speak it in love. Um, going back to what we've been talking about with the with, uh, the, the race relations and, and Black Lives Matter and all that, um, I've ha- I have very strong feelings about this. I, th- I, I have been hurt. I've had things taken away from me. I've been hurt very deeply by people. But I've learned that when I forgive people and say, Lord, vengeance belongs to you, I've seen what he's blessed me with. So I've learned to say, okay, I'm gonna, I, unfortunately, I'm going to be hurt because we live in a fallen world. I'm going to be hurt the rest of my life, but I'm going to continue to love and forgive one another, and God will repay me. That's my experience. This is what I've learned, but I have also learned not everyone is there yet. So it's my responsibility to listen to, using this analogy, how black people have been hurt, how they've been disappointed, to pray with them and love them and say, you know what? Unfortunately, your race has been hurt for hundreds of years, but one day we're going to go to heaven and Jesus is going to make it right. And he sees everything. In, in the Bible, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says in Philippians that Jesus entrusted himself to the Father who judges justly. There are some things in this life that are not going to be made right until we get to heaven. They're just not going to. But we know that God judges justly and that one day he will reward us all the way that we should be. So let's endure hardships. In this season, we must be patient and understanding of one another. We have to, if we're going to get through this, we have to be um, patient understanding. So it's okay to not be okay. But I'll also say this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not stay okay. I know that's kind of confusing. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not stay okay. I'm actually speaking to a mindset. In Romans 7, Paul talks about the, this famous passage of how he as a believer 
wants to do what God wants, but he finds that his flesh is doing what it wants to do. And so he talks about this battle. And I want to read it uh, real quickly, verse 21. He said, I have discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. This is Paul, like one of the greatest uh, uh, apostles, teachers that the church has ever seen. He said, when I want to do right, I inevitably do what is wrong. He says, I love God with all, God's law with all my heart. I want, I want to live by it. I want my body, my mind to do what God wants. But there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ the Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind... I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. In this Christian life, as you continue to serve the Lord, you want to love him, right? How many of you want to love the Lord more? How many of you want to lay down your life for the Lord more and more? You want to do these things. In this life, as we're doing this, we find that there is this power within us that is causing us to do the opposite thing, right? How many of y'all this past week, you wish you hadn't said or done something and something that you know, that you've known better, that you were taught many, many years ago? A lot of us. Paul says, with my mind, I do, I want to do what God wants, but with my, with my body, sometimes my body doesn't do it. It's the law of God versus the law of sin. This is something I've had to learn. I... I am um, just by nature very idealistic. I, I want to do things perfectly. Um, whenever I play, I remember one time I was playing Monopoly with a friend of mine, and uh, this was like eight years ago, nine years ago, and I'm a rules person. Hey, you got to abide by the rules. If you're not playing by the if you don't have rules, how can you know who really won, right? Then it's so, because I want to win. And maybe that's why, but I, I, we were playing Monopoly, and we were playing this game, and we had these rules. Well, my friend, a good friend, was literally just making up rules as we were going. And, and not make, but he was joining uh, teams with another person. I'm like, what? Like, how's that fair? I can't win, and this and that. And um, I, I realized that, um, that, I like, that I like rules and that I get uh, really upset. And so I'm a very idealistic person. Um, one thing the Lord has had to show me, though, is that his plan for not my life is not based on how well I abide to God's rules. Now, we should do our best. And I think as we continue to walk with the Lord... Um, he, he shows us how to walk more perfectly with him, but it's, not gonna, it's never going to be perfect. Um, but one thing that, that I've learned is there's a difference between being perfect in my actions and being perfect in my heart. And I think this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying, hey, with my heart, I want to do the right thing. But my flesh, sometimes I just fall into sin. Sometimes I lie. Sometimes I do this and I do that. I don't want to, but my flesh is doing this. And as I've learned, as I've learned uh, to walk with the Lord, I've learned, hey, God doesn't judge me by my actions because I'm going to fail him every day. But he judges me by my heart. Am I wanting to do the right thing? And I've learned when I want to do the right thing, I'm going to eventually begin to do the right thing. Think about it. Anything that's in your heart, in your mind, anything that's you've, 
uh, if you like going back to the house analogy or car analogy or whatever, anything that you put in your mind and you're thinking about, eventually if it stays there long enough, it's going to manifest in your life, right? You're going to work hard to get that house. Or you're going to work hard to get that promotion. You're going to do it. So I've learned that whenever I focus my heart on the Lord, I'll, that, that I eventually am going to do everything he, want, he wants. I was, I'll end with this. Well, I got one more point. It's a quick, quick point, but I want to end with this story. Um, the other day I was talking with a friend of mine. It's a friend that uh, he struggles with pornography. And so I was talking with him, um, and he was just telling me, you know, I've talked with him for a while, and he was telling me how, he's like, man, I just hate this sin. I hate this sin. And I was like, no, yeah, I understand. I've been there. I, I, I understand how you feel. Um, I hate this sin. And, well, I was talking with him the other day, and he said something really interesting, and it, it just struck me differently. He said, I hate how much my flesh loves this sin. And it, to me, it spoke to me two things. Number one, it, it, it communicated um, it communicated. You have to acknowledge that I think if we, if we, live, in, if we live in denial, then we, God's truth can't speak to us. So he's like, I'm acknowledging, number one, that, hey, I do like this and I have a problem. But number two, it's saying my flesh loves this sin, but I don't really love this sin. And to me, it was just a very powerful moment as, as we were talking. And, and I thought, man, that's what it's really about. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not stay okay. It's okay to struggle with things, but, but our heart has to say, hey, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to continue to conform my mind to God's word and see God's freedom in my life. And in this season, it's, it's okay to not be okay. But I believe that God is wanting to lead us, our church, our family members, into a season um, where we walk in complete freedom. And we need to continue to ask the Lord to speak to us. So God is in control. And second of all, it's okay to not be okay. And lastly, I'm going to, we'll probably talk more about this next week, but I really feel it was necessary for us to at least mention it this morning, is unity will get us through. In this season, I think the devil is working overtime to divide not just our nation, but our churches. I've heard of many churches who are divided about all these issues that I just mentioned. And I believe it's imperative that if we're going to get through this quarantine, through this season, we're trying to figure out how we need to live together with one another, that we walk together in unity. And I, I believe that we need to speak more about this, maybe commit a whole sermon to this, but unity is what God actually anoints. In the book of Psalms, it says, unity is like the oil that runs down from the top of Aaron's head through his beard to his feet. Anointing represents the word of God. Whenever brothers dwell together in unity, the God's Holy Spirit is poured out. And so this is something I want us to pray about. And if you will just please stand. Uh, we're going to pray through this, but we're also going to uh, pray for uh, some of these other things that, that we're going through. So if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for speaking to us. We ask for unity. Help us to understand that you are in control and that it's okay to not be okay. Father, we need you.